Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. So we're going to do teaching today. Mouse Morrow says, where the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse then becomes inevitable. And that's why I want to do this by way of foundation. Hallelujah. So I want to teach today on fasting. And because the general laws of devotion affect both fasting and prayer, I'm going to take my bearing talking about prayer and then we settle into the subject of the day. You see, the disciples of Jesus being Jews... They had a prayer life. They already prayed because Jews prayed. They prayed religiously. And so they saw Jesus praying. And they noticed that there was a more excellent way. And so they came to Jesus to say, teach us to pray. You see, this is another thing a lot of Christians need to learn. Just because you are doing it doesn't mean you're doing it right. Just because you are doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it better. So listen, these were guys who already prayed, but when they saw Jesus pray, they came to relearn. Part of spiritual growth is relearning. Come on, are you with me? It involves relearning. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Just in case you haven't really followed how Jesus chose his disciples, the Bible tells us especially you know, in one of the synoptic gospels, how that these disciples, right? And um, when they saw Jesus, because John had been promising that the Messiah was going to come, they just began to follow him. They, they said, Rabbi, you know, and they just began to follow him. So when they were saying, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray, he, they were talking about some of them. We have been praying and we know how to pray, but we have seen from your prayer life that there is much to learn. So teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father, listen. Oh my God, if you stopped there, that already is deeper revelation than anything they ever knew prior. Everybody say, our Father. Father. Now that's so powerful. If you have been following my teachings on devotion, on on prayer, you know that you have heard me say, that prayer more than words, the emphasis in prayer is who? And so the seven sons of Sceva gave the example. It was not actually what they said that was the problem. The demons replied, we know Jesus, we know Paul, so if it was either of them who said the exact same things you said, we would go. We just don't know you, so who are you? So it is first and foremost about who and not what or how. Come on, I get to what I'm saying. And so the biggest secret to prayer is identification. And in fact, when you get this right, all the other things don't matter as much. Please, I'm trying to choose my words wisely. I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm saying that this one matters most. Our Father. So the Bible tells you, 
The effectual fervent prayer, and yes, we learn about prayers from that. Your prayer should be effectual, it should be fervent. But then it says, of a righteous man, it's still the who before the how. Come on, I get what I'm saying. It says that's the prayer that avails much. So who are you? So now, he says, in Romans chapter 8 verse 15, Paul is teaching us. He says, God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but of adoption, whereby we cry what? Whereby we cry what? Now, you see, so much can be said about this. First and foremost, the literal translation doesn't actually spell Abba. It, 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 it's a more vulnerable and imperfect expression of that word. It's just like a child trying to call your name and calling it wrong. Or a child learning to call mommy and say mama. You know, so Abba is talking about something almost incoherent but very affectionate. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like a child who is just learning how to talk, has not yet perfected it, but knows that this is my parents. Come on, now you get to what I'm saying. And so listen, it's not about the articulation. Dada! Now that's powerful. Dada! That right there is a big secret of prayer. That prayer can be a cry. Did you hear what I said? It says, because we are sons, we can cry. <laughs> so now, it's first and foremost about identification. It's about the sincerity. Come on, do you get this? So, in as much as we want to be a word church, and we want to dot the I's and cross, cross the T's, the most important thing is the heart. The biggest prayer posture is the posture of the heart. It's not kneeling, it's not lying, it's the posture of the heart. Who are you? How do you see this God? You see, and even if you have not mastered everything, you've not read all the books, thank God for all the principles of praying effectively, importunity in prayer, the prayer of faith, and all those wonderful things. But with a sense of identification, you cry, Abba! Prayer can be a cry, even if it is just a cry, if it is sincere, God hears. And so Ishmael is a baby. He cannot even talk. And an angel appears to his mom because the Bible says God heard the cry of the baby. Come on, are you listening to that? The cry? What about Anna? Prayer is a business of utterance, but Hannah was so overwhelmed, she couldn't even talk. Her lips were moving, and she must have been shivering. Her teeth are gnashing, you know, and, you know, even the priest doesn't know what's going on. Why are you drunk at this time? And she's saying, I poured out my heart to the Lord. So as we learn the nitty-gritties of the business of utterance, we must learn to pour out our hearts sincerely to the Lord. Because I'm telling you honestly that even if you have not perfected the modus operandi of the business of prayer, as long as it is sincere, 
The Bible says, a broken and a contrite heart, God will not what? Uh So when you understand that, you are learning about the business of prayer. A broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. He says, you shall seek me and you shall find me after that you have sought for me with the whole of your heart. He says he's a rewarder of those who what? So now, I mean, as long as it is from your heart. You see? And then the opposite also applies. There are some people who come with high-sounding speech and impeccable eloquence, but then he vets and he says, these people draw nigh to me with their lips. So mind you, it wasn't anything they said that was wrong. It wasn't anything they said. These people draw nigh to me with their lips, but their heart is far away. Why is that a problem? If it was just about ticking the boxes, seven rules to effective prayer. Well, they ticked all the boxes. So that means the heart is also an instrument of prayer. And God looks out for that too. Their heart is far away. Their heart is far away. He said, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask so that you can consume it upon your lusts. So if your motives are inordinate, that's also an issue. And God sees that. The posture of the heart. I'm getting somewhere. And because this really applies to fasting. Because as dutiful as we are in the business of fasting, we must be sincere. Come on, are you getting this? So as much as the Bible teaches us on how to pray, it also teaches us how not to pray. As much as the Bible teaches us on how to fast, it also teaches us how not to fast. So the Bible makes emphasis on the fast that I have chosen. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? So when when the Bible, when Jesus is talking and he says, when you are fasting, don't pray. When you're praying, don't pray to be seen. Now that's important. Is, is, Is that not the motive and the sincerity I'm talking about? Don't pray to be seen. That matters. He says, if you do that, you have your reward. Meaning, Instead of getting an answer from God, you wanted the commendation of men. Well, the commendation is the answer to your prayer. Have that. Have that. So there are some people who think they shall be heard for their much speaking. He calls them hypocrites. And he assures you that if you do that, you have your reward. Oh, you just wanted to be deep. Well done. They, they, they have started calling you nicknames. Pray you. That's your reward. But on the, on the contrary, if you pray in secrets, if you care less about if pastor is watching, and you make it a business between you and God, he says God will reward you how? Aha. Same thing, when you're fasting, it's not that your mouth has to be smelling so that by the time people are almost dying, you now say, ah, I'm sorry. It is smell, I'll be, <laughs> say, I'm fasting. Look sharp. Rub some ointment. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus said this. 
Sincerity. You know, there's something that was, that was trending the past few months. When someone says, what is your prayer request? And you say, God, I beg. <laughs> I want to tell you, it may shock you that that would be a powerful prayer before the Lord. First and foremost, <laughs> I, I, I was expecting that. It won't work for you. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Listen. If you know better, you shouldn't be praying like that. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? But I'm saying that God glosses over the imperfections of people's devotion as far as they're sincerely expressing themselves the way they know how to, to the Lord. And so, the days of ignorance, God has, what, winked at. But when you know better, he's calling everyone to repent. So it will surprise you that someone who is at that point where that's all he knows, with sincerity, God, I beg you. I mean, it will shock you the speed that God will use to answer the person. <laughs> it's first and foremost about sincerity. Come on, are you with me? Yes, Prayer can be a cry. It can. So when it comes to fasting, I want to present to you that fasting is more natural to you than you realize. Someone is like, <laughs> what? Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's natural. And here is what I'm saying. Even if you're not talking about something spiritual, it's a day-to-day -day reality. I don't want to go into an expose of how even non-Christians fast. But let me say this to you. Imagine you were eating. I wish I had a snack to pretend with. Imagine you were eating. And someone comes to you and says, someone comes crying. You're like, what's the matter? Okay, what's in the apple? And he says, I'm sorry to spoil your mood. God forbid. But mommy just died. What are you going to do? You were eating. Really say, ah, really? <laughs> ah, very nice woman. Is, is that what you're going to do? I assure you, even if food is your idol, <laughs> you will at least pretend. Otherwise, especially in the African context, they will say, you're the one who killed her. <laughs> you're the one who killed her. Nollywood fans, you know what I'm saying. Let me ask you a question. Feel free to answer or not to answer. Have you ever cried more just so they don't suspect you? Don't worry. <laughs> but listen, if you were eating, it doesn't matter how delicious. If the person is someone you love, you're going to stop. And it's not rehearsed. It's not rehearsed. Have you ever been so passionate about something you lost appetite for food? 
And people have to console you and say, eat, 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 it will be okay. You, you just lose the appetite. And so, that really is what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. I was in school studying about fasting years ago. This was a long time ago. And I stumbled on this. That the first person that fasted, Moses, it wasn't as if he read a book. Come on, are you with me? He didn't read any book. He didn't read any book. There was no prior instruction. It was just two things. He fasted for passion, and glory preserved him in the fast. Oh my God. So listen, the first text I studied, this was not the first time he fasted. You're on the mountain, receiving instructions from God. And then all of a sudden, God tells you, hey, you need to rush back down. I've not even finished giving you commandment. These people are breaking it. It's before God said, you shall have no other God, did <laughs> God was still writing it. <laughs> they don't break one. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, now Moses went down. He couldn't believe his eyes. He was so emotional. He did the wrong thing, you know, broke his iPad. Sorry, his tablet. <laughs> you know? And he's angry. And after everything, he goes back to the mountain, not just to receive another tablet, but he's interceding. God, I would rather you blot my name from the book of life than not forgive these people. Please. If I have found grace in your sight, forgive. And then the Bible tells us that he was there 40 days. I'm going to talk about that briefly. But before then, just understand the idea. He didn't read a book. He didn't say, I want to take my work with God to another level. No, that's not what happened. He was just grieving about something too much to think about food. You get that now? So, so now... You begin to understand the discipline of fasting when you understand that fasting is about priority. Oh, God. Fasting is about what, please? So, Job 23 verse 12 says, I desire you more than necessary food. So, uh, there is... That imbalance that happens every once in a while in your soul, where you begin to prioritize things about, above God. And so, a much needed reset will be required every now and then. This, my people, is the purpose of fasting. To reorder your priorities. So listen, Many times we are eating at the expense of something. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. From verse 15 to 17, it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the glories of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up 
causing trouble, and by this, many become defiled. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food did what? Sold his birthright. Sold his birthright. So, oh my God. I think that your fast will go to a new level when it is beyond the fast. What are you fasting for? What are you doing less of food to emphasize? That's the business of fasting. You are reducing food so that something can increase. When you understand that, you understand that when you're fasting and you don't emphasize Bible study and prayer, you wasted your time. Because it's not just about food. You are doing less of food to emphasize something. And like the example I gave, that's something we can relate to in every aspect of our lives. There are seasons in your life it would take more conscious effort to eat just because there is something urgent happening in your life. Do you get what I'm saying? That's just how it happens. And so you must relate this to spiritual things. Picture this. The first time anybody fasted, at least recorded in the Bible, it's Moses, Exodus chapter 24. And God is calling him from the cloud on top of the mountain. And people hear him, you know, hear God and they are shivering and they are afraid. And so Moses climbs up the mountain to be received up into the cloud. What a sight. The moment he entered that vicinity, I believe he had an out-of-body experience, but don't, don't worry about that. A spiritual experience where in the presence of God, one day is like a thousand days. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you have to understand, naturally, you can't go 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. So what happened to Moses was not natural. But even if it was not natural, there is an underlying principle there that in the presence of God, the natural things were suspended. And so that was the focus. He didn't go there to fast. He didn't go there to fast. But there was something more important than food. That's it. More important than food. So when I begin to school myself in terms of priority and sincerity and focus, you can be fasting and be all over the place and you don't get the best of it. Some of you know what I'm saying. The same thing applies in prayer. Jesus even went so far as to separate himself from people. They all went to the garden, but he, he went further from where they were. Fell on the ground. Began to pray. The intensity, the concentration. Oh, you have to learn that. That you are ministering to the Lord and fasting. The fasting is secondary. Do you, do you get that? In Acts chapter 13, that's what it says. Ministering to the Lord. That's what Esau missed. Priority. Birthright is more important than food. 
So I can delay this gratification. Put my flesh under because birthright is important. That's what it's about. So when you get this, you will understand that I will excel at the devotion of prayer and fasting when first and foremost, I am fully persuaded about the importance of the why. When you hear from the word of God that Jesus is coming soon. And so many people still don't know him. I put it to you, you would fast. You would fast once in a while. Or when you want to start something for God and the consciousness of the enormity of the task before you dawns on you, you will put food aside for a while. It's the importance. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the importance. So it's the priority. So that when there is a temptation to turn stone to bread, you say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? So understanding fasting doesn't end with just man shall not live by bread alone. I am de-emphasizing this to emphasize something better, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I desire you more than necessary food. And to remind myself, my flesh, that you are priority, I'm going to put it aside. Come on, are you getting this? I'm wondering if to tell you some things or not. What did you say? (laughs) All right. You asked for it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. So, you see, the subject of fasting is quite a peculiar one because when it comes to prayer, there is a plethora of scriptures emphasizing it, but fasting, not quite. You see, the theology on fasting is built on examples. You know that, right? So why do we fast? We fast because Paul fasted. We fast because Jesus fasted. We fast because the church fasted. But it will interest you to reckon that nowhere in the New Testament were you expressly told to fast. Think about it. Isn't that true? 
Nowhere. When it comes to prayer, pray without ceasing. The effect of every prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, not slaughtering business for any spirit. You know, so many scriptures in that regard. But when it comes to fasting, we fast because we have examples. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? And when we look at the examples, there are also things to learn. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, just like Moses. That was not ordinary. In the New Testament church, you don't see people fasting for power. Is that true or false? You don't see people fasting for power. Get ready for this one. You don't see people fasting for revival. The, I said, should I talk? You said, I should talk. So why is it like this? So, it seemed like the predominant purpose of fasting is what I said. Order of priority, spiritual order of priority. I must continue to remember that God is first. First above food. First above money. First above, above everything. And the reason there will not be an outright prescription in the Bible as to how long you should fast is because the requirements is different for everybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you fast, to tick the box and say, ah, I've also done three days dry. You might be wrong. You might be wrong. You might fall under the category of people that Jesus called hypocrites. You are fasting to be seen. You are fasting so that you can have bragging rights. You are fasting to prove a point to yourself. You have to understand, when it comes to spiritual things, we have to be careful because some of these things can be done in the flesh. If you look for Guinness Book of World Record, for the person who talked the longest uninterrupted, I believe there'll be, a, there'll, there'll be something like that. <clears throat> the person who talked the longest uninterrupted. But prayer is different. You get what I'm saying? If it was a competition, some people would talk longer than you. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So, as important as long praying is, we have so many sermons on that. The most important thing is that you poured your heart out to the Lord. First Timothy. First Timothy chapter four from verse one. I almost did a thread on this three weeks ago. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in later times some will depart from the faith, 
giving heed to seducing spirits. Oh my God, in the African church, there's a lot to be talked about this because if you've watched Nollywood long enough, when you hear seducing spirit, you think of a light-skinned lady, maybe named Damaka or something like that. It's not me. I'm just talking about Nollywood stereotypes, all right? Or give me a Calabar name. A Kaite or something like that, you know? And it's usually some beautiful lady trying to distract the pastor. (laughs) But now, this has nothing to do with sexual temptation. Seducing spirit actually means imposter spirit, deceiving spirits. There's a lot to say about that, but I'm just going to move on and pay attention. But now, when you hear that people will depart from the faith, giving in to seducing spirit, what would you think the context should be? If you hear that the devil is trying to distract some people today, what would you think he's going to do? Maybe make them fall into sexual sins. Or money. Or something like that. But that's not it. Look at verse 2. It says, speaking lies in hypocrisy. The devil is going to make people hypocrites. Having their own conscience seared by hot iron. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Look at verse 3. Forbidding to marry. You know, but, but think about it. If someone came on the scene and said, let's go to a new level of consecration before the Lord. No marriage. It depends on how eloquent he is. Some of you will buy it. Some of you will buy it. Or listen. At least you might be tempted to see him as more excellent than someone who is married. That, ah, a trino. <laughs> Forbidding to marry. Commanding to abstain from food. Which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Oh, I don't eat that. It's unholy. But listen, he's just telling you, generally speaking, that there will be a lot of virtue signaling, a lot of, look at me, I'm doing this so I'm better than you. I said that to say this. The subject of Christian devotion is very delicate. Because in as much as you can't have a vibrant work with God if you don't do these things. If you show it off, you are a hypocrite. This is very clear in the word of God. Have you fasted 40 days before? 
if you have not fasted 40 days before, I want to put it to you. You are a joker. <laughs> Virtue signaling. It's wrong. Please, are you listening to me? Yes, <laughs> Paul fasted. Jesus fasted. For the record, for those who will listen to this sermon later and not to understand the context, right now we are fasting. <laughs> and we will continue to fast. But by the time you begin to use it as a measure, you just might be wrong. And a lot of extremes have happened in the church by this. We don't like to talk about things like this. But it, you know me now. You know, Avi. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you aware that people have died on top of this fasting? Because it's just... It's, it's common sense. There's a common sense side to it. So when you're reading the Bible, there's just some things you see and... <laughs> Let me read an interesting text to you. Look at Acts chapter 27. <clears throat> Acts 27 from verse 33 to 36. It says, and while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat. Paul was begging them to eat. He says, eat. This is the 14th day. And you have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray that you take some meat. For this is for your health. Are you getting this? Meaning, so, so listen, I, I like Paul. In, in as much as, now let me say this. If, if you cannot picture a spiritual leader asking you to eat when you are, when you are fasting, Maybe we might have taken this to the extreme unintentionally. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where, uh, uh, listen, you are not in your new body. In case no one has spelled it out to you, you get the way you go, you go die. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you won't be the first or second. We don't like to talk about this. You don't like, we don't like to talk about this. So, there are some people who are naturally stronger than others. We all should do our personal best. And that's between you and the Lord. You can lie. Please don't get what I'm saying wrong. We all should do our personal best. But I am saying some people naturally are not as strong as others. And the, the purpose of the fast is the emphasis. 
You can go three days dry. That's good. You can go two days. You can go 24 hours. There is no systematic, outright instruction in the word of God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't mean as a church, I cannot say, and that's why there's something about me. You may be surprised if I catch you eating during a fast. I may not talk. Oh my God. You're not, you're not ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> I may talk. Oh. Do you understand the meaning of me? Be- because, listen, listen, we must be careful not to raise hypocrites. You don't know what some people are dealing with. You know, at the end of the day, it's personal. And it's my job as a trainer to aid you as much as possible to make sure that you are seeking after the Lord sincerely, growing in consecration, whatever that might be. Do you understand what I'm saying? At your own pace. This is not a nudge for you to be lazy. But at the end of the day, some people just overdo these things and then we've had casualties in the body of Christ. We don't like to talk about it, but we have. I won't give you examples because it would be wrong. And then I'm not trying to scare you. And some of you, what I'm saying does not even concern you. You have never, you have never fasted anywhere close to a life-threatening condition. This, this not, so if you think I'm giving you key points, <laughs> you have missed it. You are struggling by 12 noon. I'm not talking to you. I'm, I, I'm not talking to you. Do, 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 you, do you get what I'm saying? I'm not talking to you at all. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, I mean, I I just want to finish this. It says, and when he had spoken, after he had spoken, he went to carry bread. Paul went to carry bread. He broke it. He gave thanks in presence of all of them. Then he gave them, then all of them shared up and they ate. Because sometimes... We think as long as we just continue to push our body, then we are right. It's not always true. It's not always true. I discovered something. This one, I will preach on it in four years. (laughs) Okay, should I talk? Ah, no, you can't bear this one. Let me give you another. Let me give you another text. I'm not talking about that one. Four years there. <laughs> First Corinthians seven. And I like this chat. <laughs> let me see this. No. 
Let me put it this way. First and foremost, there is something people don't talk about well enough here, and that's because God has given us, gifted us such a strong immunity in this nation. It's a gift. I mean, look at COVID that just passed. Uh, malaria, for where we did. <laughs> You know, it was killing everybody. We still. So, there is something I studied. I was talking to a doctor, and the doctor told me. I want to get the figures right. He said, last year, I think he said 4,000 people. I'll, I'll fact check it, and I don't want to get it wrong, so forgive me. It was a high number. 4,000 people died because of tuberculosis. There's a reason I'm telling you this. And Apparently, more people than you know have it in an inactive form. It's in their lungs, trapped by white blood cells. Someone who, who works at WHO was telling me this. Trapped in their white blood cells. And they might carry it all their lives and never be sick. So what happens is that some people, due to malnutrition, the white blood cells that are covering it break and then it goes active, you know, and all of that. Which is why many people, oh my God, it has to be said, many people who have engaged in extremely long seasons of fasting they trigger it. I'm t talking about something that is happening in this nation. They trigger it. You know, and some don't even know. In fact, long time ago, I was here, <laughs> I was listening to a sermon by a man of God, a great man of God. And he said he fasted for one year. He said he fasted until he started coughing blood. He thought, he thought it was, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? And then I was like, oh God. Because you see, that, those are the realms. <laughs> Let's be honest, we like realms. <laughs> We like dimensions. You know, so now, some, some people will hear this and just go, you see, that church, they're not serious. They're not really deep. They're not really deep. And that's why 
I'm really grateful for the grace God has given us because when it all comes down to it, when it comes to delivery, you can't, you can't fault me. You, you get what I'm saying? I carry oil. You understand? Know <laughs> so, so I'm just trying to teach you the word of God. That's just it. And so some people will use cheap blackmail to try to insinuate they are deeper than us. That's okay. Some people have taken it to the other extreme. You know, white Christians don't like to fast. Even some of the generals. I read um, a book by Papa Hagen, who I love and respect so much, and I just feel he just, he just, it was too mild. <laughs> I don't think it's that deep. Fasting is important. I believe that the Holy Spirit will help you find the balance so that you can, do you, do you understand? You will know what to do with this information. If you are not fasting, you are wrong. You, who do you resemble? You can't objectively read the Bible and not fast. It's not possible. So that's not what I'm saying. But in your heart of hearts, if people have given you a benchmark, you might want to slow down and check it. That's all I'm saying. Let me show you another thing that we omit. Look at 1 Corinthians 7. Let me read from verse 1 so that you get the context. From verse 1, it says, Now concerning the things of which I wrote, of which you wrote to me, it is not, it is good for a man not to touch his wife. Context. Not to touch you. Yeah. It says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render his wife the affection due her. Amen, somebody. And likewise, single people are the loudest. <laughs> and likewise, also the wife to her husband. He says, the wife does not have the authority over her body. Amen, somebody? Yeah. And the, <laughs> but the husband does. And likewise, the husband doesn't have authority over his body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come again and do what? So he's, he's talking about, do it. Are you getting what I'm saying? For a consent of time to fasting and prayer, when you're done, come back. See, is this a teaching in the Bible or not? Consent of time. <laughs> Laugh but hear what I'm saying. Because as you are fasting, the devil will tempt you. It doesn't mean you won't... It, well, Jesus was fasting when the devil tempted him. Are you aware? Yes, Some people from fasting, they've entered trouble. <laughs> and the devil knows how to orchestrate it. And you will feel you are deep. You are deeper than God. <laughs> Come on, are you getting it now? Yes, it, it's right there. Man of God, round off and go and meet your wife. Mm. 
That's what he said. So, so this is just an example where even God is giving you an admonition that spiritual things must be handled with intelligence and with balance. Let me read on so that you understand. Come back again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's right there. So these are the issues. So, so now let, let me backtrack and build this case for you. If fasting is very necessary for me to get my priorities right, minister to the Lord, prepare for spiritual activity, which will be very important. I mean, this text also expressly tells us we ought to fast regularly, right? He, he won't say this except fasting is meant to be regular. And so, if that's what fast is for, to help me order my priorities, it means that my target should be on anything that causes distraction from spiritual things. Because I am de-emphasizing food to emphasize something else. So what needs emphasis in my life? What needs emphasis? So maybe I should consciously reduce social media time. Not maybe. Not maybe. I am fully persuaded that if we don't consciously do that one thing, we have wasted our time in this generation. In this generation. Because it's, it's not just for the sake of it. What am I emphasizing? That's what it's about. So, for, for Esau, it was birthright. What is it for me? What is struggling for the place of God in my heart? Besides food, what, what am I really, truly trying to starve? That's the question. What must I emphasize? So now, the example I just gave, even your wife sometimes, you take consent to be a part, to pray and fast. Uh, that's, that's it. Well, he just said that. You, you might need a retreat once in a while. It might be your job. You are too fixated on that job to think about God. So maybe you should plan some of the days of your leave. Don't just go sightseeing. Don't just travel and be carrying sand in the beach. <laughs> I mean, that's nice. But pick one or two or three days 
and emphasize spiritual things. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And so, so fasting becomes a strategy for making sure that I get my priorities right. I must prioritize spiritual things. It becomes my strategy for that. And so, I must intelligently put it in my schedule. Intelligently. And the other extreme is important too. I must make sure I'm not bragging about it. Jesus himself tells this story. That a man comes to the temple, he's beating his chest. Luke 18, you know the story? He says, I give my tithes, I fast twice a week. So the fact that Jesus is telling you that, he's telling you, first and foremost, there are people who do it. And secondly, he finds it disgusting. Has it dawned on you? You will never see someone in the Bible preach like that. I prayed two weeks straight. Nobody said something like that. And, and more often than not, those kind of statements, they just, they, they do something to our ego. Let's not lie. Make people feel, well, we're not on the same level. So from the Bible, we know that there are different types of fasts, but all of them have the same purpose, okay? I, I think I said all of that to say this. There are different types of fasts. All of them have the same purpose. To help you fixate your mind on the most important things. When the Bible says that if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. You do that by meditating on the word of God. And I believe that one of the devotional strategies to achieve that level of focus will be fasting, all right? Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. So, so now, I look at my life. It varies from person to person. For Samson, it was women. For Judas, it was money. You get what I'm saying? So that's why you must come up with a tailor-made plan. So there is something the Bible refers to as sins that easily beset you. It is specific to you. For some of you, it's people pleasing. People pleasing. I just don't know how to say no. Or I care too much what people say. I'm going to fast on that. This is how you come out you come out stronger. This is the strategy. What do you want to emphasize? What must grow stronger in your life? Or you just want to emphasize spiritual things and focus on the Lord like in Acts chapter 13. It's, it's a consecration exercise. I'm not, I don't care about the person by my side. They, they may not even know what I'm doing. Come on, are you with me? I'm going to, in fact, I'm not going to use it as an excuse to be ineffective at work. 
going to show up, do all I need to do, except it's a special season of devotion. I took some time off. Otherwise, I'll do all that I need to do, but I'm focusing on what really counts. And God, who sees the secret, will reward how? That's, that's it. That's, that's the teaching in the word of God. That's why you must start focusing. So, so for, for some of you, one of the biggest, most effective things you can do is to delete some apps this period. You are fasting, but you are still watching two films on Netflix per day. It won't work. It will not work. I, I, that's, I'm saying all, I said all of that to say this. Maybe as you are even watching it, you are speaking in tongues. Please laugh, but take what I'm saying seriously. Some of you, you're not much of a foodie naturally. On a normal day, you don't eat much like that. On a normal day, you don't eat much like that. So what makes this special for you? It's the focus. What are you emphasizing? Are you studying the word of God? Are you praying? What are you? Are you vetting your devotion and looking for those besetting things and, and putting them aside? That's the most important thing. Come on, do you get me now? So that's what I want you to do. So I, I want you to write something down. Write something down. So this season of fasts, what are you going to do? You see, this is what provoked the prophets where God was speaking through him is this not the fast that I have chosen the church can be easily carried away you are fasting but you are still wicked <laughs> so, so God says you have missed the point this is the fast that I have chosen to lose the bands of wickedness you can't be a harsh boss and fasting Your heart is so strong, like ice block. And you, you, on top of it, you are fasting. So it means, in that experience, you didn't have a proper assessment of your life to see what must improve. You thought it was just about the food. You get what I'm saying? Yes, Nothing, when it comes to devotion, is simply about that activity. I mean, that's a consistent theme. It's, it's a thread you know, through all the, the, the opportunities for devotional excellence. When it comes to the, the, the Lord's Supper, as, as they called it, they were taking it, but Paul said they were not taking it. He said, he said you are just playing. You did drink communion, you did drunk. Are, are you joking? In the kingdom, the end never justifies the means. The means is important. The why and the how is as important as the what. Always as important. Praise the Lord. So I want to give you a few minutes. What are the things you are going to emphasize this season? You're going to get better at what? At what? At what? At what? 
At what? Because fasting is not just for the sake of fasting. The book of Deuteronomy, Moses says that God gave them manna so that they will learn that man shall not live by bread alone. So they were enjoying so many things and they were still in discipline. So God withdrew some of the benefits to teach them something. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So that means we can learn that from the Lord. What the Lord withdrew, we can willingly on our own withdraw and say, "Mm -mm, I'm going to cut down on this. It is good, but there is better. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are fasting when you cut down good things to emphasize better things. So what are the things you will cut down? Right, 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 right. See, the reason it's important is don't just make a mental note. When you write, it has a different sense of importance to you. You are more committed to what you write. The faintest ink is better than the sharpest memory. You are fasting, but you are still so much of a gossip. I want to work on that. I want to cut down on that. I want to cut down on that. Bread is good, but the word of God is more important. So I'm going to study the word of God. I'm going to study the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I said thank you, Jesus. For some of you, anything spiritually or natural, fasting can do for you. It can lock your focus on what is yours in the Lord. If you find yourself just afraid of things you shouldn't be afraid of. You know, God's people are so superstitious, so scared. There's a reason why when I wanted to give the example of someone dying, I had to say, God forbid. Because it's to help some of you's mind. Because we are in church so long, we are still scared of the devil. We don't want to take chances. That might be a sign you need to grow up. All those things are not in the Bible. Not you in Jesus' name. My enemy, my... you understand what I'm saying? Why am I still so scared? That's a sign I need to meditate on the word of God. Fear is a sign that I need to meditate on the word of God. If I'm afraid, it means I am more aware of the power of Satan than I am of the power of God. The meaning that's the meaning that's the meaning if I'm too scared of tomorrow I have meditation to do I have praying to do I have not yet injected it into my consciousness and my even my subconsciousness that God holds tomorrow and because he lives I can face tomorrow 
If you, if you find yourself petrified and anxious about tomorrow, what will happen? How will I do this? How will I? You need to fast. You need to fast. And listen, you may be fasting so that God will give you assurance and give you a job and all of that. But there's something more important that I was scared in the first place. It's a problem. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. There is something about spiritual emphasis and devotion. It helps us handle our soul. I call it a strategy for soul maintenance. Such that Jesus entered Gethsemane. Petrified. He says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. But when he went in there, he fell to the ground and cried. Prayed and his sweat was like droplets of blood. He came out bold. He says, don't worry. Now is the time and the hour of darkness. Let's go. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what it does for you. Some of you need to toughen up your spirits. Toughen up. When you pray like that and you emphasize spiritual things, you receive divine direction. Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. And after you receive that direction, the Bible says they prayed again. Prayed and fasted again to prepare. Some of you, you already know what God will have you do. You are afraid. You need to pray. You need to pray. You need to pray. You know, there was a time when a minister of the gospel comes to me and says, what can I do? How can I start ministry? I had ready answers, but now no more. Because it wasn't ready answers that helped me. The conviction was stronger than my fear. And so, no explanation will help the person. Go, go and focus on the Lord. Go and when the time comes, with your inexperience, you will be bold. Sometimes what we need is not keys. What we need is sights. We need to see. We need to see. You might know it in your head. It must take a hold of our hearts. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong, it's not talking about mental accents. It's a meditation. These are the things that fasting does. Go and meditate on the word of God. Go and meditate. Go and read the word of God well. You know it in your head. Go and see what the Bible has said about Satan. He's defeated. He's not a factor. And don't just, don't just say it in your head. And you, let me, oh my God. You know, something dawned on me in school. I was in school then and it dawned on me, it changed my life forever. The problem of religion is this. We like to take easy what took other people time in such a way that Moses goes up the mountain for 40 days and he comes down with 10 sentences. Think about it. The Ten Commandments. Forty days. Is God such a slow writer? So now, for some of us, good preaching can have a disadvantage in our life. Because someone has had a lot of experience in God, has read hundred books, 
He summarizes it in one hour and you think you understand it. And you wonder why it's not working. Is this not what he said? I tried it, it's not working. Is this not what he said? The difference is the contemplation. That tablet, Moses looked at it for 40 days until his face began to shine. And then you just want to memorize it. That shall not kill. That shall not lie. You are not going to get it. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? When you spend time, it will take a hold of your soul and your soul will begin to resemble it. That's what happens. A metamorphosis begins. Your countenance is altered. Your priorities are aligned. And then the differentiation will happen. Other people cannot look at your face. You need a veil. You need a veil. Because levels have changed. Your perspectives are different. You are from the same hometown, but you see things differently. This is what fasting does. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, are you listening to this? And at the end of the day, even if your church gathers a corporate fast, the result will not be corporate. Oh. <laughs> it will not be corporate. Our job is to encourage you. If you like, do it. If you like, don't. At the end of the day, the ball is in your court. You have a choice. Nobody can force you. You must understand what this is about. Let necessity command you, command your desire. Nobody was supervising Jesus. Oh, now that you are baptized with water, oh, you need, to, you need to fast. Nobody did that. He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And if the Spirit doesn't drive you to do things, you need to fast. Your priorities are wrong. I fear. And so, no explanation will help the person. Go, go and focus on the Lord. Go and when the time comes, with your inexperience, you will be bold. Sometimes what we need is not keys. What we need is sights. We need to see. We need to see. You might know it in your head. It must take a hold of our hearts. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong, it's not talking about mental accents. It's a meditation. These are the things that fasting does. Go and meditate on the word of God. Go and meditate. Go and read the word of God well. You know it in your head. Go and see what the Bible has said about Satan. He's defeated. He's not a factor. And don't just, don't just say it in your head. And you, let me, oh my God. You know, something dawned on me in school. I was in school then and it dawned on me, it changed my life forever. The problem of religion is this. We like to take easy what took other people time. In such a way that Moses goes up the mountain for 40 days and he comes down with 10 sentences. Think about it. The Ten Commandments. 40 days. Is God such a slow writer? 
So now, for some of us, good preaching can have a disadvantage in our life. Because someone has had a lot of experience in God, has read 100 books, he summarizes it in one hour, and you think you understand it. And you wonder why it's not working. Is this not what he said? I tried it, it's not working. Is this not what he said? The difference is the contemplation. That tablet, Moses looked at it for 40 days until his face began to shine. And then you just want to memorize it. That shall not kill. That shall not lie. You are not going to get it. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? When you spend time, it will take a hold of your soul and your soul will begin to resemble it. That's what happens. A metamorphosis begins. Your countenance is altered. Your priorities are aligned. And then a differentiation will happen. Other people cannot look at your face. You need a veil. You need a veil. Because levels have changed. Your perspectives are different. You are from the same hometown, but you see things differently. This is what fasting does. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, are you listening to this? And at the end of the day, even if your church gathers a corporate fast, the result will not be corporate. (laughs) It will not be corporate. Our job is to encourage you. If you like, do it. If you like, don't. At the end of the day, the ball is in your court. You have the choice. Nobody can force you. You must understand what this is about. Let necessity command you, command your desire. Nobody was supervising Jesus. Oh, now that you're baptized with water, oh, you need to you need to fast. Nobody did that. He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And if the Spirit doesn't drive you to do things, you need to fast. Your priorities are wrong. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Let the Holy Ghost take a hold of your soul. It's not about activity. It's about the influence of the Spirit. His ability to weigh in on your soul make you do things stop you from doing things guide your action take the steering wheel of your life and direct it that's what it is that's what it is and then you just know you just know you just know if after all I've said you think oh that means why am I disturbing myself 12 noon is okay you have missed the point totally Because if you understand what I am saying, you will even likely fast more. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like when I first thought about tithing in this church. The church was still young at the time. I think it was 2013 or 2014. I I said, if you are tithing so that devourer will not devour you, you can as well not do it. I said, no devourer will devour you. You know the thing? When I drew the attention of people 
to the purpose of this thing and why we do what we do and why we give. Guess what? Giving's increased. It actually increased. Because you see, knowing the true purpose of a thing doesn't make you reduce your commitment. It increases it. So maybe your mind was on the wrong thing. That's why, I mean, it's just about the clock. As you are fasting like this, every 30 minutes, ah. Every two minutes, you are looking at the clock. You are praying. Every five minutes, you are looking at the clock. You are missing a lot. Do you get it? Maybe you should emphasize the purpose. Emphasize the purpose. And then it will carry you. That's where real transformation will happen. Because the target is not seven days. The target is a new you. The target is reordered priorities. And then on your own, even when the church is not organizing anything, you can do it on your own. You can do it on your own. Are you going to be changed in this period? You are not doing it to impress anybody. It is between you and the Lord. Has the Lord seen you since we started? Has he seen that you want anything? Has he seen that you are ready for your priorities to be reordered? How are you going to approach the fast tomorrow? What will be your focus? Is it the Lord? Or is it just is it bragging right? Since everybody is doing it, let's do it. Is that it? Please stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My eyes are on you. My gaze is on you. My focus is on you. You are my reward. You are my standard. It is you that I see. It is you. It is you. It is you. And in this season, I emphasize your instructions. I recite and rehearse them to to myself. Until it takes a hold of my soul and of my spirit. Until it directs my path. I am ready. I'm ready. I am ready to emphasize your direction, to emphasize your leading. Let it take a hold of me. 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 Samakame ne kome ne koria kapale to fresta pale belendong grastike le kombe le tovina ate veleto mina kaparato lo vereto kraste runde le mene kapalia embelema koshete kibo kushete more of you and less of me more of you and less of me more of me more of you and less of me more of you and less of me Thank you, Jesus. 
Vala Tongre, Neshete Menendo Coponde, Sumenende Lecaba, Palembo, Belemondo Cusete Gibo Cushe, Valetongre Sate, Sutiki de Gidegia, Shembelete Giba Haya, Ima Haya, Tiki Bukushete, Kiboko Shepa Haya, Kiboko Shete. Bokombe la talema nekoboya Kimanendo mresapaya Kimanemohaya Sepele matale bobo Sepele mataya Shepelendo krasekiva Paleto mresepele tekima Palero andeleko prosopode Paleto mresepila Palashete remanongre setriga Satongre sapala Peleton pilatakina, shendele mondo le paya, impelete kapale tokre setele, runde remene kopa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.